Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. The Informer Daily is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. At Joy 94.9, we'd like to pay our ongoing respects to Elders past, present and emerging. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. This is the Informer Daily for Wednesday, the 3rd of June, 2020. I'm your host, Arian Potts. Tonight, protests in the United States over the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis, Minnesota police officers have been continuing into their eighth night. There's a huge amount of anger, lots of confusion, and it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. We talked to Lul Goshu, a communications consultant who's worked extensively in the fields of political activism, communication, and social justice, about what's happening and what can happen in the future. But first, this update. This is Dee Mason with the Joy 94.9 COVID-19 update for Wednesday the 3rd of June. Prominent economists are urging the Australian government to partner with Asian countries to salvage the world economy. The strategy calls for members of the Asian nations to coordinate financial, trade, public health and food security policies to aid recovery post-pandemic. Adam Triggs, who co-authored the plan, says as Asia was impacted first, they will come out of the crisis first, so there's an opportunity for them to lead global recovery. There has been a 200% increase in reports made to the eSafety Commissioner over image-based sexual abuse since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. The increase is thought to be due to an increased reliance on digital technology for intimacy combined with the resurgence of a sextortion scam. The scam comes in the form of an email claiming to have access to intimate pictures and threatening to release them unless a ransom is paid in cryptocurrency. The federal government is planning to introduce new legislation which will provide further protections for adults who experience cyber abuse. An exemption to the international travel ban allowing the live export of sheep out of Perth has been revoked in the aftermath of the al Kuwait COVID-19 outbreak. The docking of the ship caused a political row between Western Australian Premier Mark McGowan and Federal Agriculture Minister David Littleproud after the Premier claimed he was not informed of crew members being sick. Revoking the exemption has left the fate of 56,000 sheep in limbo as they remain stuck in the South Perth suburb of Baldivis. The UK Medical Journal that published a study claiming hydroxychloroquine has been linked to deaths in COVID-19 patients is now voicing concerns over the data. The study, which observed 96,000 hospitalised patients who are being treated with the antimalarial drug, caused several clinical trials to be put on hold after its publication. Given this study was not designed like a traditional medical study and did not use a placebo, doctors and medical scientists are now calling on the journal to publish the peer reviews so the validity of the data can be examined. 
A new poll from ABC News and the Washington Post has shown that unpersuaded by more than 100,000 pandemic deaths in the US, 45% of strong conservatives, 4 in 10 Republicans and nearly as many evangelical Christians say they would be unlikely to get vaccinated against the coronavirus even for free. Overall, 27% of adults in the poll say they definitely or probably would not get the vaccine. Among the group, half of them say they don't trust vaccines in general, while nearly a quarter don't think it is needed in this case. 81% of Democrats and 71% of people polled overall say they would get the vaccine when it is available. Rome's streets have been filled with anti-government protesters, many of whom are flouting social distancing rules and not wearing masks. The protests were organised by right-wing political parties League, Brothers of Italy and Italy Go as a criticism of the current coalition government and Prime Minister Giuseppe Conti. With over 233,000 confirmed cases, Italy is one of the countries most impacted by COVID-19. Despite this, League leader Matteo Silvani wore his mask around his neck as he took photos with supporters, saying the virus is dying. This is the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia in on the Community Radio Network. Protests in the United States are going up to their eighth day in some cities over the death of George Floyd, who was arrested by Minneapolis police officers, one of whom placed his knee on George Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes, of which almost three minutes toward the end, he was not showing a pulse. With protests spreading all across the country and in cities large and small, it's revealed a deep level of anger and distrust between minority communities and the many, many police departments in the United States. Trying to figure out where some of the anger came from, I spoke with Lola Goshu, who is a communications consultant who's worked extensively in social justice and political campaigns. Why are people so angry? What? Why are these protests happening? Well, I think there's like a virus that's going around. You know, everyone likes to talk about COVID-19, but there's a virus going around called institutional racism. Um, and pretty much the thing that kind of tied everyone together was a white cop was assassinated by a, you know, a white cop pretty much assassinated a black man on the street in broad daylight in front mm. of a crowd on camera for nine minutes with three cops being accomplices. And he pretty much walked away and went home that night. And pretty much as a black man, if the situation was reversed, I wouldn't be able to leave the scene of the crime. Yeah. My life would be over forever if I made it out alive that night. So, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I realize that every country is not perfect, especially America. But, you know, there's a rapper called Killer Mike. Um, you know, he, he's... He's pretty much saying, you know, as a result of this situation, that's really important that you don't burn your house down, you know, with the riots and stuff. And um, and what's going on is he feels like the cause is being lost that with through the riots, um, you know, he's saying we should like we, we should, let's burn down systematic racism, but not burn down, you know, b- b- buildings. And that's something we could talk about later. But mm. um Anyway, I feel like this whole situation of nine minutes watching a cop put a knee to the neck of George Floyd was kind of like the equivalent of America's knee suffocating black America. You know, we're like black Americans have been following the rules and we're screaming for our lives saying we can't breathe. You know, that's like a, you know, I can't breathe was literally what the George Floyd was saying for nine minutes. 
And we've reached like really critical milestones that have kind of reached reached a tipping point. You know, we re- we passed a hundred thousand deaths, forty million people are on unemployment, and essential workers who are risking their lives to provide everything from groceries to manicures are disproportionately poor black people. We're serving middle to upper class white people. And, you know, just to give you an idea of the wealth gap that's going on in America, white families here have assets of $171,000 that are 10 times more than a black family that makes $17,000. You know, so that's mm-hmm. like 10 times the difference. Um, so you have like this wealth inequality, you have health inequality, you have unemployment inequality, and, you know, this. Uh, you know, people are more at risk for coronavirus um, and are dying disproportionately. Mm. And all these factors are going, going are happening. And then you have this nine minutes of footage of a cop literally not giving her a crap about a, a black man dying. And we're, and we had enough. Um, and, what made it interesting was that Trump kind of became, was kind of COVID-19 tipping point, I guess the virus tipping point Mm. because he's, I I kind of view Trump, you know, he's a racist and he's been a racist for, you know, throughout his presidency. And we just don't trust Trump as like black people. And he has like a low approval rating. I think he's like at 3% among black people. Mm. Um, And, you know, and he's kind of like this virus and he's like a multiplier of this virus of white supremacy ever since Charlottesville. And, and uh, to, I, I kind of, to remind the audience, like uh, what happened in Charlottesville briefly? Um, in Charlottesville, there was a uh, pretty much white supremacist decided to gather and take, have this take back our country back rally. Um, literally, white supremacists felt confident to gather white men and um and we didn't have a lot of time to organize um the other side and so it was a spur of the moment so friday night um white supremacists decided as opposed to having you know kk outfits with white robes they decided to wear t-shirts and um pants and just walk down the street with um uh, They're holding torches, um, and it was just really scary. And people didn't have much time to organize. And the left and the and pretty much the two sides uh, confronted each other, and there was violence. Uh, and Trump said that there are good people on both sides, and that was really scary. So apparently, they're good Nazis. That's what Trump believes. Mm. And from that day, you pretty much knew. Uh, he was not an ally to black people. <laughs> so, um, so there, we kind of got this feeling that there was no form of black protests, um, mm. that Trump would sanction. And, um, I just, anyway, um, so, so that, so it was a pretty much a, a situation, what made the situation in Minneapolis so interesting, um, was that, the the cop that was accused of the crime got to walk away mm. and 
and he was in charge for a few days. And there were growing and growing protests because of the injustice of that. Mm. Despite the obvious, you know, it was obviously on camera what he did. And, um, and more than one camera as well. Yes. And there were bystanders there. There were hundreds, you know, there was a lot of witnesses. Mm. Um, it was a people crowd. even calling 911 to get the police to come to take care of the police. Correct. And what was interesting was the autopsy. Um, they were trying to say that their homicide was the cause, but they were trying to provide underlying conditions saying that he had hypertension and he had like other issues that contributed to his death, you know, as opposed to him not breathing as a primary cause of his death, which is yeah. like BS way for the defense team to say, oh, he died from other causes, not homicide, you know, which is you know, shows how tainted the the Minneapolis uh, department is. They can't conduct an you know an honest investigation of what's going on. And we'll have more with Lowell Goshu in a moment. This is the Informer Daily on Joy ninety four point nine and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Welcome back. We're continuing our conversation with Lil Goshu, and I began by asking him about some of the constitutional protections that Americans have under the First Amendment and protesting. Americans have uh, a Bill of Rights. It's it's ten amendments, and it covers mm-hmm. you know the Second Amendment. Everyone hears about about the right to bear arms, and you know there are other ones about uh, the Fifth Amendment, where you have the right to not incriminate yourself and. Like, you don't have to keep the cops, like, you don't have to uh, shelter soldiers in your house without without wanting to, which was, a, which was one of the grievances of the American Revolution. But the First Amendment is, I think, one of the most powerful, and it's got those four components. It's the freedom of speech, it's the freedom of religion, it's the freedom of the press, and crucially, the freedom to peaceably assemble. And that's what we were seeing in Washington, D.C., uh, about 24 hours ago, there was a mm-hmm. a very calm, well, it was an angry crowd that was standing behind barricades. Nothing was being thrown at the police in Washington, D.C., off of uh, Lafayette Square. And then uh, William Barr, the attorney general, showed up in the background of the shot. And then a few minutes later, the police charged and actually went you know, charge these protesters who weren't throwing things. They were just standing in the streets being angry, which in theory they have the right to do. And then the president gave a press conference with the sounds of tear gas canisters exploding in the background and held a photo op with a Bible in front of a church where the protesters had been mere minutes later. And the hypocrisy of that moment was stunning that Donald Trump of all people holding up a Bible at a church where people had just been cleared out and they were peaceably assembling. They were inconvenient, but it, it was just a galling moment. And it, it, it's just, it's, it's, I, I'm, we're so speechless for that because one of the ironic things was the Bible was also held upside down and it, it wasn't even his personal Bible. It was just a crop that was u- used. <laughs> it was a crop that was used just for a moment in time and just to reach out to his base. It's a campaign moment and he just wanted to show dominance mm. uh, to show that he's a law and order president, which is obviously coded language to show that he wants control over the situation. Um, and I want you to know that one of the, one of the, the things that activated 
the protests. One of the points I want to drive to you that turned it from a Minnesota protest to a nationwide protest Mm -hmm. was when he said, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. So that was that's coded language for segregationists uh, from the from a Miami um, Miami police chief used that to um, attack protesters in the 1960s mm. um, who were civil rights active civil rights protesters who were peaceful protesters and he would use um, dogs on uh, dogs on peaceful protesters it was it was a justification to attack peaceful protesters and so he's using th- that coded language and literally that coded language was told every person of color and told every protester who wanted justice that they could be shot by on the president's orders and that's when all hell broke loose and that's why you see the level of writing all over the country Mm. um and he literally put gasoline on the fire um and that's when it became a nationwide issue i believe Mm. that that tweet made it a nationwide issue i mean it was pretty bad before but um, he, the, you know, to me, that was seriously the tipping point. Um, and this Bible, it, you know, he, 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 he literally, right before he decided to cro- walk across the street and, and have that photo op with the Bible, he, and he said that he's going to you know, bring the military into, into a peaceful protest you know, rally you know, when, with mm. peaceful protesters. And the irony was, before there were white protesters who were complaining about have, reopening the economy mm. so that they can get a haircut and get their nails done, and they were having AR-15 rifles at the state capitol and spitting on cops, and the cops did nothing. But with this, with peaceful protesters, they're doing tear gas, and you know, and it's just kind of like you know the hypocrisy. The with white protesters, mm. they're not doing anything to them. But with black people peacefully assembling, they're doing something. They're doing this level of violence, and so it, it just blows my mind that the military presence is so it's so outrageous. You know, it just shows the hypocrisy and the ridiculous use of force when dealing with two different populations of people. And we're not really look are there are there people with uh, rifles or other handguns firearms at the protests that are happening now is that no, something that we're seeing no no the um you know it's it's interesting to there's video evidence of cops actually planting bricks um on in certain cities to you know as, like end construction they're creating fake construction sites to so that um, so that rioters can grab these bricks to, you know, so that they can create these scenes of violence. Um, it's kind of a weird thing, like to, so that like Trump can invoke these military, military role in martial law. It's, it's, it's really crazy. And I don't know why they want this, but they do. I, I, they just kind of want to delegitimize the peaceful protesters to bring attention to the actual movement, which is let's get justice for Floyd. You know, the reality is that we've had four African-American deaths by white people who use the cover of law enforcement to kill people. Um, and so this is a trend that's happened this year. This is a trend that's happened over 
many years mm. and the police want to change the subject trump wants to change the subject to its from his failures from coronavirus into looking at how tough he is as a law and order president um and so it, it's just it, it's it's horrible and so anything to to change the topic from coronavirus anything to change the topic from cops you know like look at these horrible black people fear you know um it's just a hot topic and um, I'm sorry about, you know, on behalf of Americans, obviously, Trump does not speak for us. The cops don't speak for us, you know, literally. Um, and I'm sure there's many cops in the force that don't want to, you know, do these orders, but they have to, you know, they're getting a paycheck. And so they're doing this, yeah. you know. What about what about looting? It's something that's been seen in protests a number of times. And one of the more sort of famous cases, and there's a really good documentary about it, was when there was a uh, uh, blackout in New York City in, I think, 1974. And there'd mm-hmm. been a blackout uh, 12, 15 years before that, and it had been really peaceful then. But on that occasion, it turned into quite a bit of violent rioting, rioting and looting in New York. And we're seeing some scenes of that happening now what what drives that what drives looting um you know mlk say like writing is language of the unheard and i feel that um i feel that the police have abused their authority and i can't speak for the rioters um but i feel that when you have been abused Mm -hmm. sometimes you fight back and if you're not if you're you know i feel that a lot of people when they pay attention to the looters they're losing sight of the message the 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 message you should be focused on the injustices that are going on Mm. um and i can you know unfortunately we lose sight of the fact that the the real where the violence the origin of the violence is the fact that there's been 400 years of, you know, of systematic racism that's been going on, discrimination, slavery. We've learned violence from white people. We've learned violence from, like, white people taking the land from Native Americans, white people doing slavery, white people, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, in, it's, in, and it's just this opportunity to fight back and communicate that I don't want to die i want to breathe i want to live my life i have followed the rules and and it's not that we want to be violent it is that we don't know how to communicate that we we want to be treated as equal human beings because we are tired of trying to communicate peacefully and not being heard um and we're demanding it now listen to us mm. um and and sometimes i think that when people are not being heard, they will get your attention anyway, any any way necessary. Um, and this is a method. This and it is grabbing your attention, which mm. is interesting because other methods have not grabbed your attention. You know, like there's been a you know. Um, I remember I've attended. I've you know I've done Black Lives Matter protests for years, and you know it hasn't made international headlines. But now it's made international headlines. You know because I'm here sitting here talking to you. Mm. Uh, you know, and I I remember like maybe a couple of years ago we were on the highway, um, trying to um, trying to raise awareness about uh, you know close down the highway. 
Um, it wasn't me closing on the highway, but I was, <laughs> I was nearby. <laughs> but I was nearby uh, anyway um, in Atlanta. And, you know, and these tactics are happening right now, closing down the highways. And, and it's annoying people, but it, it's happening. Um, and so it, it's, just, it's just funny. Now it's annoying, but uh, it's as if it just started, like, out of the blue. But these tactics have been happening for years, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I just, I just find it so interesting that, you know, to Trump, it's like as, as if these tactics just happened, like, from nowhere. And, but these organizations have been around for years mm-hmm. and from ferguson there's been you know there were small there were small efforts and now these groups are all over the country right now and i think the hardest thing that trump has to realize is he can use military force he can try to shut them down but they're going to be around for a while this is not going to go away mm. um and um and that's what's kind of hard for for them to understand um they can try to weed it out like they did with occupy wall street i mean this is kind of like occupy wall street i would say Hmm. um you know like view it like that view it kind of like the arab revolution or kind of like you know how when people fought apartheid it's kind of like those type of movements um and they don't really view it like that but it is kind of like that and that was lol goshu a communications consultant based in the United States. That's all for us today. I'd like to thank Nicholas Kamenyer Sandry, Emily Johnson, Jordan Johnstone, D. Mason, Rachel Tyler Jones, and all the folks at the Community Radio Network for their production help and assistance. I'm your host and executive producer, Arian Potts, and we will be back tomorrow. Mahalo. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. It's been too hard living, but I'm afraid to die. Cause I don't know what's up there. Beyond the sky It's been a long A long time coming But I know A change gonna come Oh, yes it will Keep telling me don't hang around It's been a long, a long time coming But I know a change gonna come Oh, yes it will Then I go to my brother The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9.
You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community-powered radio. Thank you. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.